Let's pray. Sanctify us with your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, gathered together in our, our Savior's name, as we continue this, this series about the book of Romans and that overarching theme of, of grace wins, I want to talk to you a little bit about the importance of timing. And I'm sure you're familiar with that phrase, timing is, is everything. And you think about how that's true in so many different aspects of life. Timing is everything. You think of, of your favorite song that you hear on the radio and how that song doesn't quite do it for you anymore when the timing is messed up. Or you think timing is everything when you are thinking in financial matters. Uh, when you buy a house and when you sell a house, timing is everything. Is the market up or down? can make quite an impact. Or, or when you want to play the stock market and you, you put your money into financial investments, timing is everything. Is this a time when we have a bull market or a bear market? Timing's everything when your child comes up to you eager to share with you the day's news. Dad, 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 did you hear? And you are so consumed with all the stresses of work that you just have to brush them off and you, you say, now's not the right time. You see, we think in terms of time and having the right timing, the fact that timing is everything. I think of the superhero movies that are out and even though I haven't seen the majority of them, one of the reasons we like the concept of superheroes and we like the concept of, of having come on and saved the day is that they always have the amazing habit of doing what? Arriving just in the nick of time. Which brings us to our text today. We get to look at Romans chapter 5, the first 11 verses. And I'm going to read it for you. And right in the middle of it, I think it's verse 6, I want you to open up your ears and really look at the sense of timing that our God has. You see, at just the right time, he carries forth with his plan of salvation. And we're going to see what that means for us today. If you like to follow along in your worship folder, you may. If you want to just listen, that's okay too. It's, it's Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Whom he has given us. You see... At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of our Lord. Timing is everything in so many different ways, but it's so hard to not only think about the timing that's described in the passage that we have before us today. You see, grace wins. We've been talking about that and we see that to be true But now we see the element of time added to it, and it really is that key verse right there, verse number six. You see, at just the right time, God who is eternal and not bound by time, he allows himself to enter into the history of the world at the right time. And we've seen that perfect timing in a lot of different cases But listen to what he says here. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I want to talk about that phrase, when we were still powerless. You see, God chose the time to intervene into the history of the world when we collectively were powerless. Let's think that we're powerless. I don't care if you go to the gym. And I don't care if you can, can bench press incredible amounts of money, or money, good grief, incredible amounts of weight or lift a lot of money, I mean, whatever. That's not the kind of power he's talking about. Because there are a lot of things that you do have power to control. If you guys were to exit here, and want to use the restroom, and as you're away to go to the restroom, you see that there's a little girl standing on her tippy toes, doing her best to try to get a sip of water out of the drinking fountain. You have the power to go behind her, lift her up, and help her out. If you have an elderly mother who struggles with walking and balance, and accidentally has a fall, you have the power to rush to her side and to help her up out of that difficult situation. You have power, but you can already envision some other situations where your power starts to reach its limits. Like when you go to Surfside Beach and you're wading out in the water and all of a sudden you see someone quite a ways out in the water starting to struggle and they're not able to swim And you fear for them and you're thinking, I might be able to get to them, but it's going to take everything I have. Maybe you start to know the feeling of being powerless. Well, if you don't know that feeling, we do now. Because you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, 
It's not talking about physical power. It's talking about spiritual capability. It's talking about God's timing and his willingness to, in grace, interfere in the situations of this world to help a bunch of people who are collectively powerless before him. Because this is the powerless situation of those who are on the wrong side of God's holy and righteous will. He's talking about sinful people who can't live up to God's perfection. And as a result of the sin that clings to us, that resides within us, he's saying you have no power to get yourself out of that hole. It's a hole a mile deep. And try as you may, you can't dig out of it. And scripture reminds us of that on a constant basis. Why? Because it's our very human nature to think that we're stronger than we are. But he says, while you were still powerless, Christ died for the asebon. That's the word. The ungodly. The asebon, I say, because that word paints quite a picture. You see, if you're described as a sebon in the New Testament, that is someone who is a diligent worshiper of God. And an asebon is someone who can't stand being in the presence of God and wants nothing to do with him. And that's the word that's used here. He says, while you are still powerless, let me tell you what your powerless situation looked like. You looked like someone who was so fed up with God and didn't want him in your life, you turned your back on him and you were without power because you had really taken your stand against him. But did you see what God did at just the right time? He gave his life for you. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, that was put into place from the beginning. And while we're pinpointing one moment, the death of Christ on the cross, that moment is part of a larger section of time that goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Because when we talk about that powerless situation, let's talk about how powerless Adam and Eve were after they entered into sin. Do you remember that account? When all of a sudden they started discovering things like shame for the first time? And they discovered that they were fearful of God rather than excited to to be in God's presence? That's the powerless situation that they found themselves in. And throughout the history of the Old Testament, spilling into the New Testament, we see that same powerless nature of sin wreaking havoc in our lives. Just try to make God happy by your own works. It's powerless. But God intervened, right? He promised a savior in Eden. He made good on that promise in Christ. And Christ's gift on the cross was to die for the godless that they might know grace. 
You see, grace wins. And at just the right time, God showed us an unconditional love. Very rarely, he says, will anyone die for a righteous man? Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. Let me just explain those verses to you. What he's saying is that it's really not all that uncommon, excuse me, all that common to willingly give your life for another. Now, sometimes we maybe see it on the battlefield. We might see a, a, a noble soldier take one for his group of other soldiers. We'll see someone proverbially throw himself on the grenade. And we think, wow, what a selfless act. But he's saying it's not all that common because we usually think about ourselves first. And then the second phrase is saying, for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. The good man that he's talking about is someone who is a benefactor. We might be willing, more inclined to give our lives for someone who has treated us so well because we feel like we owe them something. And so even in our human perspective, we're saying, boy, it's a stretch, but I might do something like that. What God is saying is, who here would ever give their life for someone who has treated them horribly? And then he says, but that's exactly what Christ is going to do for you and what Christ has done for you. You see, in the nick of time, right when we realize just how powerless we were in our sin, God's grace is going to carry the day because God's grace is demonstrated in Christ falling on the proverbial grenade for you and me because he can't stop loving us. You see, at just the right time, God shows us an unconditional love. And where that really hits home now, today, in your lives, is that it also gives you an incomparable confidence. Because think about the theme for today. Grace wins every time. That means that every day that you wake up, you can be sure that you are still in God's grace as you put your faith and trust in Christ. But the reality is, is that there are so many things stacked against us. So many products of living in a sinful world that are ready to try to steal your confidence. There are so many things that you will go through on a day-to-day basis. So many unfortunate situations that come up in a week. So many rough ethical situations that come up at work, so many failed relationships in your life that, that demonstrate themselves on a regular basis that you start to wonder, is grace actually winning? Every time it does. And that's the confidence that this section wants you to have because the verse that we've been looking at, verses six through eight, is sandwiched between two sections which is talking about how we can go back to that grace and have confidence even when this sinful world and sinful circumstances throw us into difficult situations. Just look at the beauty of of the opening verses of chapter 5. He's saying, since we have been justified, it's a done deal. Christ died for you. Since that part is done, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. He's not acting as if there's anything more that you need to do. He's saying, if you're wondering if grace is going to win, just look down and see where you're standing. If you're still standing on Christ as your hope, if you're still standing on Christ's work of salvation on your behalf, grace is going to carry the day. It's going to give you the confidence you need to know that come what may this side of heaven, God's love is still present in your life. Which is why the Apostle Paul can start building this beautiful chain that doesn't feel so beautiful when you're going through it. He's saying you can even rejoice in your sufferings. Because as son who is standing in God's grace, when the sufferings and the trials of this world, and God knows what you are going through right now. God knows that not everything is lined up how you want it to be. God knows the pain in your heart, and he knows the tears that go down your cheek, and he knows that this side of heaven, the results of sin will continue to do what? To cause suffering. But what does he say? We rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. But the only way that happens is when we look down and we see we're still standing in God's grace. On the foundation of Christ Because this is the the logical conclusion that Paul wants us to reach. He's saying in verse 9, Since we have now been justified by Christ's blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? In other words, he's saying, we stand in God's grace. Grace has won. It has granted us the forgiveness of sins and a hope that this world could never give. So of course we can trust that grace will continue to win, come what may. Because the same Savior that has bought you for a price on the cross will take you by the hand and guide you through the challenges as well. And so the Christian's battle cry is that grace wins. Every time. Even when it takes a while to see it. When you look at this section of Paul, you see the transition that's starting to happen. Paul wants us to start realizing that when Christ came at just the right time, we now have hope and peace for everything now that we have to confront in the time that we have here on earth. Timing is everything. But as we go through everything that the Lord will allow us to go through during our lives, we can do so with the utmost confidence that God's timing is always perfect. It was seen in the promise of Eden. It was given to us in the promise of Christ be fulfilled. And now in every situation, we can be confident in God's perfect timing and we say the motto, grace wins. Today, tomorrow, Grace wins every time. Amen.
And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.